This podcast is sponsored by the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification. Want to become an authority in the ancestral health community? Join the ranks of today's top experts in paleo and primal living by completing the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification, the world's premier program in primal lifestyle principles. Start today for only a dollar down by visiting primalblueprint.com slash get hyphen certified. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, introducing your host, L. Russ. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Stuart Tomk. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, Stuart, you are really, for 20-plus years, you've been on the cutting edge of pretty much everything that's become popular over time within the health industry, like you worked for a North American Urban Spice company, uh, the guy who basically revolutionized and introduced oregano and oregano products uh, to everybody. And then you went on to be the spokesperson for Nordic Naturals when you know fish oil was just starting to make its, make its boom. And now, and we'll transition to this conversation later, which the bulk of the podcast will be about, now you're involved with Canavest, a company that produces CBD, and CBD being such a hot topic and such a up-and-coming, um, you know, wonderful nuance in this world of nutraceuticals. Uh, tell us a little bit first about North American Urban Spice and Oregano, because I know a lot of, uh, we had a dentist on the program who talked about mixing coconut oil and a drop of oregano in the mouth to do, you know, antiseptic, and we chatted a little bit about it, but... From all of your experience, what are some of the things that you've seen like the best uses for oregano and oregano oil? Well, I think the thing that makes that particular plant so exciting is it appears as if oregano may be one of nature's most powerful natural antiseptics, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, antiviral, antiparasitic. It's really unique in the sense that it's almost like edible Lysol. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfectly safe if it's sourced properly and doesn't really have any um, notable side effects. And so in the almost 10 years that I had the great privilege of working side by side with Dr. Cass Ingram, who authored the book, The Cure is in the Cupboard, I was able to learn so much about moving forward and keeping your eye. I learned how to keep my eye on where the next trends were. And it was really under his tutelage that I learned that the most influential and really the most helpful people in the world really don't have much interest in nostalgia. Right. They're interested in the future. And I, I recall, you'll love this story. I came into the office one morning very early and I used to have to drive an hour and a half to get to work every day. And I was always kind of a little exhausted from that drive, but I, I was walking into a place of complete grandeur. And I went into the warehouse, and there was Dr. Ingram, and he had four or five shaman 
that I, I think they were from somewhere in the bad hills of the Dakotas or somewhere. <laughs> they had dug up these giant roots called Pashuta Tonka. Ooh, what's that and, about? And it, it meant big medicine. I, I, I'm a science nerd, so I just wanted to know what's you know, what are they? And but they, the shaman said they're big medicine, and they had the roots. They were in a circle on the ground of the warehouse, and there was a medicine man in the middle of this circle, and he was chanting and. And I'm watching this. It seemed like a, a story that you couldn't even make up that this magical root that had been buried under the ground. I think they live for 100 years. They look like the size of a small human, like giant ginseng roots. And he was turning that root into something he called pain ease, where mm. he was taking the root and soaking it in oil of oregano to sort of leach out all of the active components. So I learned so much from that man. And I would encourage people if you're looking for natural germ killers, that oregano oil as an anti-candida and anti-fungal agent, among others, it should certainly be on your short list of go-tos. Right, right. That's really interesting. Yeah, what, what a Monday that is to walk into work and see that. <laughs> and it wasn't just like that. It was every, I, he would call me in the middle of the night and say, uh, Mr. Tomk, he speaks so forcefully, Mr. <laughs> Tomk, uh, aspen tree bark. Let's work on that in the morning. He'd hung up. And then one time I came in, he was picking wild berries from Canada, from northern Canada, and we had a Norwalk press. Have you ever seen those? No. It's a machine that, that crushes the berries and the seeds in the berries with so much pressure that you can release some of the legic acid that's in there. And it would come out drip, drip. Drip. And that was at the time where noni and goji berry juice was starting to become popular. Remember that? Yep, absolutely. So we put this bottle together. I think it was like six ounces of this one drop at a time, raw berry juice, wild picked Canadian berries of a remote kind. And we would put a little bit of oregano oil in there and check this out. No stabilizers, no preservatives. You put the oregano oil in there with the fresh berry juice, you seal it up. And there's no germs, no growth. It kills all of the yeast and all of the growth in there. So you don't even need flash pasteurization. And I used to joke with Lindsey Duncan. Do you remember him from Genesis Today? <laughs> no, I don't. He was the guy that really made the goji and noni berry story. He was on Dr. Oz. And anyway, so I would see him at the trade shows and I'd have a little shot glass of our stuff. Our, our product was like $99 for six ounces. And I would say, we've got the real raw berry juice, Lindsay. Our stuff is hand-picked, hand-pressed, and preserved with oil of oregano, but I think we only sold about 100 bottles a year, and they sold hundreds of thousands of bottles a year. But it was a great experience, and I learned so much, and I encourage everyone to learn about their products and find yeah. what they can do. Yeah, every time I go to a foreign country, if it's you know less than first world, I bring a bottle of oregano with me in case, you know, and just a drop every day, you know, you you don't know what you're eating and, you know, you got to get typhoid shots and whatnot. And I feel like it's such a great uh, protector as well. Then let's talk a little bit about fish oil, because I know even as of recently, you advocate for yourself and have suggested to a few friends and people that, you know, like me, when someone's in pain, you know, the high levels of taking some high, you know, extra fish oil to, to really full force that anti-inflammatory effect. Tell us about your experience at Nordic Naturals. I mean, it's a great company. We obviously make our own fish oil too, but, you know, just the whole fish oil, uh, you know, movement, you were right at the beginning of that. I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience there and if there's any shamans involved in that one. <laughs> 
Well, I was really, really blessed to make that particular transition only because like you and, and many others, the people that would tune into your podcast and to listen to Mark and, and the other visionaries in the industry, I was, I was involved deeply in what I call the religion of nutrition. Um, and I was trying to fix, manage, and control so many variables in my life uh, based on what I didn't do. I'll say that again. I was trying to fix, manage, and control variables in my life based on what I didn't do rather than what I did do. Uh, and, and I used to have this joke, you know, you know how you can tell if somebody's a vegan? How? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I worked. That's uh, a great joke. That's a great joke. I worked in a health food store. I don't know if you remember this. I worked at Sherwin's health food store in Chicago. I ran the juice bar. And so even before North American Urban Spice, I was introduced to Ann Wigmore and mm -hmm. um, people like Victoris, who wrote Survival into the 21st Century, Karen Calabrese, who has Karen's Raw Corner in Chicago. She yep. was a huge inspiration and fandom. But what I found was, and this is where it segues into the omega-3 biochemistry conversation, I found that there was this big divide in the communities of the religion around nutrition and beliefs versus what the science was really suggesting. And when I went to work for Nordic Naturals, this was a huge growth opportunity for me because, well, first of all, I took like a 75% pay cut. And my wife was wholly supportive of that. She was so aware that I had sort of done what I could do at, with the oregano and that it was time to grow. And again, not entertaining nostalgia, but going forward into the future, I was hired initially just to do trainings, just to do their education webinars and little small talks at health food stores. And what I quickly learned was that there was a, a huge amount of folklore. There was a certain amount of shamanism around, you know, cod liver oil or the fermented cod liver oil and all the stories of the Inuit eating whale blubber and having the lowest levels of thrombotic diseases. And it, it seemed like there was more science than oregano for sure. And we had 20,000 papers, 2,500 randomized controlled trials. But I read a book. And the one book that I would recommend to everyone, if you think you understand omega-3, is Fish, Omega-3, and Human Health by Bill Lands, L-A-N-D-S. Have you ever heard of that book? No, I haven't, but I'll be, I'll be ordering it now. And the, the, the reality is, is that it is the single greatest tome, in my opinion, written on the subject. And it's not about selling a brand or a fad or a belief system or an ideology or religion. It's all about paradoxes. And he taught me, Dr. Lands, I ended up getting to know him and to meet him while I was working with Nordic Naturals. I was lucky. He took me under his wing, sort of like a grandson student. He was already retired at that point. I even performed with him and presented with him at Expo West. And this is a great story. I've got to share this with you. Please. I'm on the stage with my Omega-3 hero. And he says to me, Stuart? Omega-3s may have some benefit with neuropsychiatric disorders, and anybody that knows you might be under the impression that you're not taking quite enough. <laughs> and anyone who does know you, that's a hilarious joke. I mean, not that you're crazy or anything, well, but you... me crazy. <laughs> that's great. So I want to tell you that my, my takeaway of Omega-3 is this, and it's such a pleasure to have a format. I get to do a lot of radio. I've done 4,000 interviews as a guest. And to not have to go to commercial break 
and get to talk authentically about my experience. It's a real, I'm smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing that I learned from Bill. Bill Lands, Dr. Lands used to say, Stuart, we need to stop guessing and start testing. Mm. So I, like, I like that. That's got a nice ring to it as well. <laughs> and he was really good at pithy little phrases. His famous term was nix the six and eat the three mm-hmm. because he was looking for sort of a, a unified theory like Einstein, if you will, about nutrition. Now, um, what happened that was so interesting for me is that once I took the omega-3 blood spot test, have you ever taken that test? I took a spectrocell test once that did evaluate on a deep level, omega-3s, but that was years ago. Uh, not the test you're speaking of, but I took something, I guess, similar. Okay, great. So you did get an idea of, your, of what was going on inside of you personally, correct? Yeah, and at the time, I actually was uh, deficient in selenium and coenzyme Q10 and B12, which was related to the thyroid stuff I was experiencing back then, so it totally made sense. Uh, but yeah, I haven't done one of those in a while. I think they're very valuable. But you did do it, and most people don't. What I noticed is in the transition from folklore and the religion of nutrition into personalized medicine, now that we've sequenced the genome, now we understand about allelic and phenotype differences, we are so close, and this is what I learned at Nordic Naturals, we are so close to being able to say to people, this nutrient may be good for you based on testing and not guessing. The, the day and age of being able to pull the wool over the eyes of the public and to sell them, if you want to be like me, if you do what I do, mm-hmm. then you'll get my results, that doesn't square with the data. And this is where I had my aha moment. This was a huge <laughs> one. Did you know that some people convert their short-chain omega-3 and omega-6s, meaning their ALA or their LA, right, seeds and nuts, or the ALA you get from things like flax meal and so forth. Did you know that some people convert short chain to long chain at different rates? Did you know that? No, I didn't. And this goes back to the work of Ski Chilton. He's a PhD geneticist, and he helped us understand that when we became untethered from the cradle of civilization, from the rivers, from the water, from the preformed sources of DHA and AA, docosahexaenoic and arachidonic acid, the major omega-6, major major omega-3 in the brain, those are the longer chain, highly unsaturated fatty acids. When we became untethered from the water, we now, because of genetic pressure, because of selection, we were able to convert seeds and plants into DHA, right? The seed gets converted into the AA, arachidonic acid, and the green leaf, the ALA, gets converted into DHA. That when we became untethered from the water, through genetic pressure, we were able to convert leaves and seeds into the stuff that makes up a brain as we procreated and created new brains. Are you following me? Absolutely. When we got up into area, into Europe and so forth, we moved out of the cradle of civilization. Because of animal husbandry, and uh, sort of more uh, close proximity to preformed, long-chain, highly unsaturated fatty acids. So we sort of moved across the desert, we ate the seeds and nuts, we could still procreate. We got up into Europe, animal husbandry and fishing. We now have preformed, long-chain, highly unsaturated fatty acids called UFAs. All of a sudden, there was genetic pressure to switch back. However, A large percentage, about 50% of people, didn't switch back, meaning 
that they were still fast, F-A-S-T, fads, fatty acid desaturates, meaning they were converting seeds and nuts at a faster rate. What did we find out? About 50 to 60% of African Americans are still genetically fast converters, meaning that if they eat Pam and Spam and Ding Dongs and Chicken Nuggets and Hoes and Krispy Kremes and a lot of soybean oil and seed oil, they convert that unfettered into pro-inflammatory, potentially, arachidonic acid if it exceeds the amount of fish or omega-3 in their diet, meaning until you test your omega-3 levels, you don't know if you're a fast or a slow converter. So the idea of take two and call me in the morning is completely 100% fiction and inaccurate. Now, let me interject and ask, so how often would you suggest then? Is that a once a year, every couple of years that one would, you know, you'd suggest someone go get these levels tested? I would say you probably don't need to do it more than every couple of years because if you use the tools, one of them is called Fast Learner, fastlearner.com, I believe, or fastlearner.org. I'm not on my computer. Fast Learner. This was a tool that Bill Lands, Dr. Lands, created to look at the omega-3-6 balance in the foods. So this is where it comes together so beautifully. If you know where you are a baseline, you can increase omega-3 levels in your tissues simply by decreasing the heavy intake of seed oils or seeds or nuts. I, so I think you well, can, right, and we so we we suggest that too. I mean, you you don't have to take just more of the other. You can you, to get the ratio right. I see what you're saying there. You're like just eat less of this, and it'll kind of uh, uh, uptake the other. Is that what you're talking about? Correct. And I would say when people ask me about fish oil, um, I personally I'm eating a can of wild caught salmon. Uh, for breakfast every single morning. No, I, I know that about you, and I love that about you. <laughs> I was a fish oil salmon. guy. I love I mean, that you eat salmon for breakfast. What a, it's like the best thing in the world, and now my first meal is usually a, a, a great can of sardines or a can of salmon with oil. Um, I know you have a brand you really, really like. What's the one that you... I, you know what? I, I'm just so loyal. I like Vital Choice. Yep. Uh, Randy is an amazing guy. I met him at the... He, he's the founder of the company. He's a fisherman. I met him at the International Society for the Study of Fatty Acids and Lipids. And he, like me, became you know groupies, omega-3 science groupies. And I, I would say to people, if you're not eating a lot of fish and you're eating too much omega-6, well, then you may want to take a high-quality fish oil like the one that you're making, promoting, or other brands, as long as they're of high quality. Um, and, and that, I think, is what I learned the most at Nordic Naturals, was to get away from the oversimplifications. I just want to end that part with this, if you don't mind. No, I like that, because it's a conceptual nuance that's important. It's, it, this is what I used to say to people, uh, don't you want to be like they are in Okinawa? <laughs> when you're, 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 you're ripped and you're, you can just do jumping jacks all day long. You still have a head full of black hair. We're in the same pants you were sophomore year of high school. You don't want to have an aorta explosion in the Toys R Us aisle. <laughs> and one day it dawned on me after I ran into Bruce Lipton. So I got to meet Bruce Lipton through Nordic Naturals. And when he got into my head, in his book, The Biology of Belief and the idea of negative self-defeating feedback loops, when I got away from value judgments, which is even getting further away from the religion of nutrition, That's right. one day it dawned on me, what's wrong with having a heart attack when you're young and at the height of your game? No, I mean, really, if you think about it, if, 
if we want to be free of all judgment, I'm not saying that's how I would like to go. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So the idea of it being about choices and options and that personalized medicine, which is right around the corner, we're going to be in the place in the not so distant future where I hope I hear a commercial that says this. Transresveratrol may be very good for some of you. <laughs> Test to find out if it actually does anything for you. Otherwise, save your money. Right. Yeah, no, that would be really nice instead of everyone running and just buying everything that's on the Dr. Oz show that week. Um, you know, our boss, uh, Marxist, and he talks a lot about choices and because he's a very, even though he believes in what he believes, he's also very non-judgmental and has vegetarians in his family. And he always talks about like, you know, it's just a choice in that moment. You know, it's change. just a choice and that can change, you know, and, and it's just many, a choice. How many people do you know, because I've spent all my years hanging out in the aisles of health food stores and teaching health food store employees, like, for example, with what your focus is right now, do you know how many former vegans I knew are now all paleo? I'm, you know what? I'm not surprised. I talk to more and more, including my, my coaching partner who was a former vegan, but I've coached also a couple of people who were you know, vegans for 35 years and then had to make the switch based on health issues. And if the future is uh, as vague as it is, now that you see the kids in Silicon Valley drinking Soylent, have you seen the product Soylent? I haven't. A coder came up with this. Uh, this way you can sit in front of the computer. You don't have to leave doing God's work. And you can just drink this product called Soylent. Remember, based on that movie Soylent. Soylent Green? <laughs> yeah. That's, and it supposedly has everything. you, And it's all synthetic or whatever. It's just man-made. And you just don't ever have to stop and waste time away from coding, why would you want to have a fun dinner conversation? I'm being sarcastic. Right? <laughs> of course. No, I love it. Yeah. Why would you ever want to leave the basement at Google to, <laughs> to, to, to enjoy a, a nice piece of fish? And hang out with people. And I think it's the community of people and the laughter and having a good time and being involved in the, in the present moment with what it is you're doing. And you know what? Things may change. We may find out that under certain pathological conditions, certain diets may be optimal or less optimal. But the most exciting part for me is knowing that we don't know everything yet. And that's what keeps me so motivated. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, that's kind of like the, the ultimate, you know, Socrates quote, right? All I know is that I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just got to keep learning. Tell us a little bit, though, more about fish oil in terms of what kind of benefits did you see, you know, in your experimentation with it yourself and, and, you know, consuming it? Was there anything noticeable over those years that you were like, wow, this is really what I, I experienced? Well, I was a, as I told you, radio guest spokesperson. And um, I remember being on air with a, a wonderful show in Florida, Dr. Michael Garko, Let's Talk Nutrition, which is pretty much nationally syndicated now. And I've been on with Dr. Garko for, since the beginning of his show for a decade. And he's a brilliant guy. He's a PhD in communication and also did jury uh, trial consulting. And he's a fitness buff. You'd really like him a lot. And he said to me once when I had started taking higher levels of omega-3, he said, you're just, you're piecing things together more uh, fluidly. There's less of the mania, although I still have a propensity for that. And you're making the cogent thought patterns. You're, you're just, you're clearer. So I did notice that as potentially a, a greater down regulation of some of the pro-inflammatory 
eicosanoids, the hormone-like compounds that are the byproducts of the largely pro-inflammatory omega-6s. So that was interesting. And then I also noticed um, that I was able to, to think what I perceived was a bit more clearly. And over the years, what had happened was I, I kept trying to figure out like what it was in the omega-3 that was really the, making the difference. And one of the experts used to say, you need to know which factors are the actors. Mm-hmm. That was a quote from Joe Hiblin, Dr. Hiblin at the NIH. And then when I learned, and I, I don't know if you've heard this yet, that the real factors that are the actors with omega-3 are not necessarily the antagonism of arachidonic acid, although that's certainly part of it. It's the fact that you go further downstream and EPA and DHA make secondary and tertiary messengers. Have you heard of resolvins and neuroprotectins that are made from DHA and EPA? No, I haven't. I'd love to to tell us about it. Yeah, so there's one compound called resolvin E1, and this work was brought to our attention by uh, Charlie Sirhan, Dr. Sirhan out of Harvard. He has a company called ResolveX, and they're making pharmaceutical drugs out of the secondary and tertiary messengers so it's not just the anti-inflammatory eicosanoids. These things resolve and they protect. And he did this work that was just mind-blowing. Now listen to this. He took rabbits, introduced some kind of a bug that caused a wasting away of their gums and their teeth, and he put this RVE1, Resolvin E1. He made an analog out of it. And your body makes it naturally, but he made an analog out of it put it directly on the rabbit's gums, regenerated all of the pathological lost tissue, including the bone. Wow. I was there in Kansas City at the International Society for the Study of Fatty Acids and Lipids. This was eight years ago, and he presented that data. And we were just, I was just mesmerized. I thought, wow, which factors are the actors, right? It's not about the species of fish. It's not about the brand of the fish oil. It's about resolving E1 and neuroprotectins that are made in the brain. And then I learned about a compound called synaptamide. Synaptamide is an endocannabinoid-like compound made from DHA that is uh, responsible partly for synaptogenesis. And that came out of Hee-Yong Kim's laboratory at the NIH. And that was the first time that I started to see the connection between fatty acids and the amides and esters and the endocannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system and how heavy-duty intake of soy in particular can increase hyperactive endocannabinoid tone, leading to food-seeking behavior and potentially one of the missing links to the obesity epidemic. So that was the interesting segue for me. I didn't know That's I'd fascinating. End up, I didn't know I would work for a phytocannabinoid company at the time. Right, but you started to make the connection there and then CBD showed up in yes. the world. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how one has always sort of led to the other for you and really always on how lucky just in general to be so stoked about this area in your life, your career, your profession, and then get to be on the cutting edge of each sort of movement that comes about. I mean, who knows what the next one, <laughs> or even what the next one's going to be. You just end up being a shaman. <laughs> Maybe that'll just be, um, let's talk about that. So now, you know, the audience might've heard, at least in California, you know, and I'm sure Colorado and other States where marijuana dispensaries are legal. You can get a patient card, 
Uh, CBD then got brought into the mix. You, a lot of the dispensaries were, were pushing, you know, THC with this percentage of CBD. And then people started to look at CBD and go, well, well, hold on. I don't want the THC. So then I, you know, I don't want the feeling of that, but I, I want to be able to sleep or do this. And there's so many benefits out there. I think just CBD in general, is sort of a confusing subject and you are like the ultimate expert on CBD. So give us you know, give us that, that knowledge we need to know. Give us a snapshot of CBD before we get into it. Okay. And before I, I just wanted to, cause this has happened in the past when I've done the fish oil talks and I needed to always stop and give Bill Lands and Michael Crawford and Chris Ramsden and Dr. Hector Lopez, all my mentors, Dr. Scott Minton and Duffy Mackay, Dr. Mackay, I've had to give them all credit because I've just had the best tutors. I've been lucky to be not not being an ivory tower academic and not being a threat. I've been a proxy for scientists for many years to get their research out. So I want to acknowledge, um, you know, Roger Adams in America and Lord Todd, who isolated and discovered these cannabinoids back in the 1940s, early on, and Raphael Meshulam. You've probably heard his name. Are you familiar with the fact that he has a brand new documentary out? Mm-mm. So it's called The Scientist, Raphael Mashulam. He's the man that discovered THC and the endocannabinoid system. Mashulam is M-E-C-H-O-U-L-A-M, Raphael Mashulam. And his new documentary is called The Scientist. I got to just watch it in real time at the International Cannabinoid Research Society Symposium. Nice. In Wolfsville, which is up near the Bay of Fundy in Halifax, in real time, I watched the documentary, the first screening with Rafi. That's what he likes. That's his nickname, Dr. Mashulam. And his name, listen to this, the guy that discovered THC and the endogenous endocannabinoid system, his name translates into a cure from above. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh, it's perfect. Perfect. So, uh, just in case people are dying to know more about the history of this, and I know a lot of us are, you want to watch that documentary because what you said about CBD and the other phytocannabinoids, and thank you for the compliment, but the books that people want to read right now, unfortunately, are really, really science heavy. And we've got now the same kind of disconnect in the cannabis world as we did with the folklore Remember, cod liver oil used to be good for a cold and flu. Take fish oil for arthritis. Right. We, then we had Udo Erasmus, and we were talking about ratios. Then we stopped guessing and started testing. Started talking about DHA, EPA, ETA, GLA, DPA, and what role they may or may not have for human health. The same thing. The same thing is happening with cannabis. I want to put an end to the strain conversation. The strain has nothing to do with it. I read terms like, uh, if you use this strain, it prevents couch lock. <laughs> come on! Yeah, come on. That's not a biomedical term. <laughs> talking about? Yeah, what the, what the frick is that? Yeah, that's hysterical. Because the activists, and bless their hearts, that's what it took for civil rights. That's what he always starts with the activists. But after the activists, then you're going to need policy and you're going to need science. You know, that's why here at Canavest, we're calling this the evolution. 
This is the evolution. It's not a revolution. Revolutions start badly. They end badly. The bad guys become the bad guys. Well, in revolution, always sort of there's a connotation of against, fighting against something versus, you know, evolution having a more positive connotation for sure. And this transition is an evolution because my hope is that we stop talking about strains and ratios. And to your point, we talk about the endocannabinoid ohm the phytocannabinoids and which phytocannabinoids and perhaps what milligram amount may already, more importantly, may not have benefit. We're always so focused on what has benefit. How about ruling out what doesn't have benefit? So if we stop talking about strains and ratios and realize that CBD, cannabidiol, could and does come from agricultural hemp, It comes from medical cannabis. And guess what? They're now growing it out of yeast. Interesting. So let's talk, give the audience the the difference between, you know, CBD that has none of the effects that THC in, you know, cannabis THC does. Can you give us, you know, give us that snapshot? Because I think people are unclear the the difference between the two. Even myself, a little bit. Okay, well... (laughs) We, we, we have a few different theories out there as to how many of these compounds there are in the cannabis plant. Um, you know, some people say they're 80 to 100. I spoke to um, somebody at Leafly today. Are you familiar with Leafly by any chance? Nope. L-E-A-F-L-Y, leafly.com. You can download that app on your phone and get all of the latest cannabis news. They're the most, the number one news source for cannabis information right now in the nation. Uh, And our medical and scientific advisory team is uh, supplying a lot of their scientific content. Today, they told me they think there may be 300 different cannabinoids. So what I'd like to do is just to kind of go through the different proposed mechanisms of action of what CBD may do and how it may help you, and then to recontextualize this back into how it may help for human health. Does that sound fair enough? It sounds great. Before we even do that, though, let's clarify even further one step for people really new to this subject at all, because we're talking with the word cannabis comes out where people just think marijuana and getting high, and then we have CBD that comes from cannabis, uh, a lot of which has no psychoactive, I don't know what the proper term is, effect. So just give us a little snapshot of the difference and how CBD, the difference. Well, this is where it gets really worth having this kind of a conversation. The structure of CBD cannabidiol, whether it is made from yeast, from agricultural hemp, derived from agricultural hemp, derived from medical cannabis, or even synthetic, the structure of CBD, the one exception would be the synthetic one, which is a little bit different, but the actual moiety or the structure itself is identical. So the, what we're doing here, at least what I'm doing, what, our, what we're doing here at Cannabis, my job, is to help people. I'm trying to disrupt a little bit of the medical cannabis space because I believe that there's an enormous carbon footprint with all of these indoor warehouses that may be challenging. We certainly know it's wasteful in terms of water demands, huge strain on the power grid. There could be consequences with fungicides, pesticides, and fertilizers, and may not necessarily be sustainable. Where if you grow hemp outside, and unfortunately until very, very recently, we didn't know that the genetics 
of hemp is different than medical cannabis, and we called it all cannabis sativa. So this was a huge setback because if the same genus species was referring to both agricultural hemp that you use to make rope out of, and we used to say only a dope smokes rope, Right. (laughs) The same name cannabis sativa refers to medical cannabis. Notice I don't use the word marijuana. This really confused the daylights out of people. What we are doing is growing it outside agricultural hemp. It's 15 feet tall, sequesters CO2. It's environmentally helpful. It requires 80% less water, sun-powered, outdoor-grown, no fungicides, pesticides, and fertilizers. I think it's textbook sustainability. So the challenge is, is you can get CBD from medical cannabis. You can get CBD from agricultural hemp. You'll eventually be able to get it from yeast. And you can currently buy it in a high-grade DEA synthetic or research form from Cayman Chemicals for huge money. So they're all variations of the same thing. Cannabidiol is one of the major phytocannabinoids that was bred out of marijuana cannabis because it may prevent people from being as high. The old school reefer had about the same amount of THC as it did CBD. And then when they figured out the differences, breeders started making the plants higher and higher and higher in THC to increase more and more of the euphoria. And then people stumbled upon these other phytocannabinoids like CBD And now there's going to be many we're going to be talking about. We'll be talking about CBG, CBC, CBN. I mean, there's a hundred of them. So it's complicated. But to answer your question, CBD, whether it comes from medical cannabis or from hemp, essentially is really the same thing. And tell us what it is. What what is it? How'd they find it? What, What does it affect? Okay, so this is what's so important. It is a phytocannabinoid that actually has some affinity for the endogenous endocannabinoid system. We make cannabis-like compounds all day long. Your body makes cannabis compounds all day long. For what purpose? Why? For regulation of almost every system in the body. Sciences link this endocannabinoid system with complex processes from anxiety to immunity, and this research bonanza is revealing more and more about the endocannabinoid master control system. What the endocannabinoid system essentially does, and we're still learning this in real time, is it crosstalks between endocrine metabolic, immune system, muscle skeletal, neural support. We believe now that if you can help balance endocannabinoid tone, that in turn, you can help balance every system in the body and really maintain and achieve homeostasis in a far more nuanced way than we even knew was possible 20 years ago. So CBD is a phytocannabinoid. It's found only in the cannabis plant. Now there's trace, trace amount in hops, which is interesting. Maybe the different effect of beer versus wine, some suggest. A few rare, weird plants in sub-Sahara Africa have trace amounts of some of these phytocannabinoids, but it's only the cannabis plant. And Jack Hera, who wrote The Emperor Has No Clothes, used to say it's all hemp. 
But the hemp plant, the major phytocannabinoid in the hemp plant next to THC is CBD, cannabidiol, and that's the research bonanza because it gives you a myriad of benefits, we believe, without the psychotoxicity that you get from THC. Right. And to the audience, to clarify, what you mean is that taking CBD does not have effects of marijuana cannabis. It, 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 it does not get you high. I, I want to be clear, though. It does cross the blood-brain barrier. It is modulating neurotransmission. If you're helping to maybe dampen some of the limbic system, core high cortisol response, the fear flight, and then you've, you know, maybe that helps with more upregulation of, say, serotonin as dopaminergic signaling goes down. When you're tinkering with neurotransmission, we're still learning what this stuff really does. Sure. Remember, it was a Schedule One substance. I mean, I just spent four days in the Bay of Fundy listening to 100 lectures over four days, 15 minutes each on deep, deep, deep dives into the endocannabinoid system and drug discovery, I'm here to tell you, we don't know nearly as much as you would think we do if you go into a medical marijuana dispensary. You start listening to people out on the World Wide Web, they think that just because CBD can downregulate TNF-alpha, tumor necrosis factor alpha, a measurement, a cytokine, a measurement of inflammation, just because it can do that in a mouse model doesn't mean that it's better than Humira for dealing with systemic inflammatory idiopathic unresolved inflammation. So we're just starting to understand these mechanisms of action. What blew my mind about CBD and why I fell head over heels in love with this one is CBD has more of a diverse bioactivity and may affect more systems and may have a broader umbrella of benefit than any single compound in any plant we have yet discovered. Yeah, it is really fascinating. And one of the things you mentioned when you were explaining our, our, our endocannabinoid system and talking about the different areas that it affects, like endocrine or muscular, skeletal, I've I heard so many stories, and I know you do too, and you'll share them about you know, it helping with people who had like 40 seizures a day and they take CBD and they only have one now, you know, things like that. Let's start to get into some of the uses that we've seen out there for CBD. Okay. So in, in sort of order, as I, as I have them memorized as a, as an anxiolytic, potentially, potentially, uh, for anxiety, it seems to have some effect at the five HT1A mediation, sort of the target for the serotonin selective reuptake inhibitors. Again, doesn't mean that you should take CBD in place of Prozac or Paxil. Right. No one's suggesting to stop taking your meds. Or, right. your, or, in, yeah. or in lieu of, 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 of benzodiazepines if you're on them. And they're, they're effective. I mean, the, but the, the reality is, is that there may be some redundancy here as an antipsychotic. I mean, Lord knows we probably need to put that in the drinking water. Uh, <laughs> If you've noticed where people seem to be lately, and that, and that may be what we call via the trip valinoid activity the, as an anti-epileptic, to your point, it seems to have effect on some of the calcium ion channels. So uh, in, in effect, is CBD and our hemp extracts or even cannabis extracts, do they work in a similar way to, say, phenobarbital? Uh, and there could be a bit redundancy there in terms of a neuroprotectant to help downregulate reactive oxygen species, but then paradoxically, 
to be able to upregulate reactive oxygen species as an anti-proliferative or anti-cancer compound. We're still learning about that redox modulation and dance as a vasorelaxant. That's via PPAR, peroxisome proliferated activated receptor gamma, and even increasing insulin sensitivity. Um, these are things that need more research. We also know that CBD, and this is my favorite part of it, may delay the enzymes that degrade your body's endocannabinoids. You see, when you're totally blissed out, you're feeling unbelievable. We're not talking about oxytocin here. We're talking about, man, you are feeling amazing, bliss. There's a big flood of anandamide, which is an endogenous cannabis-like compound you make. If you eat CBD, if you take CBD, you may delay the fatty acid amide hydrolase, the enzyme that degrades your body's natural bliss neurotransmitter. What does that mean in layman's terms? You get high on your own supply. <laughs> Which is, if you're in the drug cartel, you're not supposed to get high on your own supply. So <laughs> if anyone's listening from a cartel. <laughs> but if you could make, help make yourself more balanced, sleep better, and if it does downregulate TNF-alpha, and if it does have a, a slight immunosuppressive effect, which could be good in some level, it could be bad if you take too much of it. If we have a compound here that can give us many of the medical parts of medical cannabis, which is actually a very, very safe compound. Just the other day I was reading, do you know the name Nora Volko, V-O-L-K-O-W? Do you know who she is? I don't. She's the director of NIDA, the National Institute on Drug Abuse. You think she would know what's going on with this stuff? I'm not so sure. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Probably listen not. To, listen to this. She should know, right? This, this is the group that a few months ago were trying to convince people that heroin may not, like marijuana may not be as bad as heroin. So listen to what the, this is just was published as an op-ed in the Huffington Post. CBD appears to be a safe drug with no addictive effects, and the preliminary data suggest that it may have therapeutic value for a number of medical conditions. That's coming out of the government, which paradoxically owns a patent on cannabinoids. The government, as represented by the Department of Health and Human Services, I mean, that's the juggernaut of juggernauts. Anyone that's listening should look that up. It's patent number 6,630,507B1, 2003, October 7th. Inventors, one of them includes Julius Axelrod. Our government holds the patent. I'm going to read it to you. I'll listen. The cannabinoids are found to have limiting neurological damage following ischemic insults, meaning you can take it after a stroke or trauma, or in the treatment of neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and HIV dementia, quote, non-psychoactive cannabinoids such as cannabidiol are particularly advantageous to use because they avoid toxicity that is encountered with the psychoactive cannabinoids like THC. Let's get this straight. This compound is supposed to have no medical benefit. NIDA is saying that it's perfectly safe all of a sudden. And since 03, the government has held a patent on using cannabinoids to limit neurological damage and in the treatment of neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and HIV dementia? Well, I'm curious about the patent. So, I mean, 
not that I'm a, you know, intellectual property expert. However, it seems weird to me that someone, it's like, I can't, um, I can't patent, no one can patent desiccated, desiccated thyroid, uh, like armor thyroid, you know, the, the desiccated pork thyroid, uh, gland that many patients use as thyroid hormone replacement. And so in the fifties, because, you know, you can't sort of, I can't patent kale. I mean, so how were they able to, are they just patenting a use? They're patenting use. a way to use it. But, that just seems that would be interesting to speak to an attorney about that, just because I find that find that kind of off for some reason. Well, we will have, if you are willing, one of our uh, medical advisors, uh, Colonel Doctor Michael Lewis. He's a medical doctor, masters in public health, and an MBA. He graduated West Point from West Point Army Ranger. He was at the Pentagon for thirty one years, ran their primary care flight unit, and I would think he has credentials. You know, with, if you just listen to that, like you, like most doctors that aren't li- like that aren't going to appear on our kind of podcast or do radio shows. Sure, just not. So anyway, he works on our medical and scientific advisory board, and I would love to because I've asked him to specifically put his presentation together about the United States patent, all of the inventors, what their backgrounds are, and what the true implication of this is. So maybe we'll do a follow up with Colonel Dr. Michael Lewis to dive into that a little deeper. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Um, okay, so sorry, we, let's get back to the government, NIDA, they patented that. So it's difficult to say that there isn't medical benefit when you have out of one side of the mouth, uh, there's no benefit and then we hold the patent on it. Right. So what this is telling us is that there's really something interesting here, Absolutely. something exciting here, something that future research, more research is warranted. So then the the transition is, well, how can this stuff help you? What are the health applications? If we don't have the randomized control trials yet, what can CBD do for you and how can it help you? And that's really where we've got to focus a lot of our education efforts on because once people understand that, say, nervous system health, just that alone, mood anxiety, restorative sleep and circadian rhythm optimization. If you want the benefit of medical cannabis without visine and being, and you want to operate heavy machinery and have a job and a life, (laughs) you may want to try some CBD or hemp extracts that are 0.3% THC or less for nervous system health, mood, anxiety. How many people are you seeing? And you've done this now for a long time yourself. How many people do you know, Elle, that are not sleeping properly? Oh, I mean, including members of my family. I have great sleep, but I know tons of people who just their mind does not stop, and that's why they can't go to bed. And if you go to health food stores where I've spent 20-plus years hanging out and teaching people, did you know that the section where they sell melatonin and theanine and kava and gaba and lemon balm and passion flower and valerian, you know how active those sections are of the store? I'm sure very active. Because people are stressed beyond comprehension and they're not sleeping. They're not detoxing their brain. They're not healing. So I often tell people, great, if you're eating right and you're working out properly and you're doing all of these things you can do, but you don't sleep. Now, what are they finding out? At least eight hours a night? Yeah. And uh, over time, lack of sleep leads to liver issues. I have also read. 
and I, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. So even if that, the only thing, even if the only thing we can get right now from CBD is sleep, <laughs> is sleep, yeah. is worth it. hugely effective. But then there's metabolic health. Most people don't know the role of CBD for insulin sensitivity and for cardio metabolic optimization. When we talk about fat loss, what we should talk about is efficient caloric partitioning. We want to be moving away from gut visceral adipose tissue, something that you know and you all teach a whole lot about, into lean body mass. Well, guess what? CBD can help you sleep. You're going to burn more energy, more thermogenesis, more beige, more brown adipose tissue. Management of central obesity, adipokine, myokine profiles, etc. The cardiometabolic connection to this is just being scratched. Stress resilience. If you check people's heart rate variability, they're completely cuckoo nuts. And this is something that may give people tremendous balance and relief with cytokine hormone functional outcomes, recovery and adaptation in sports nutrition. I mean, luckily, your audience knows that you're not supposed to work out 16 hours a day, seven days in a row. (laughs) Right, right. No, but here's the thing, though. We still, a lot of people I coach, one of the biggest elements we see, my partner and I, just the, the theme across the board is still overworking out, overtraining. It's still a problem. People are pushing it too hard. And I, what I really like what you said about insulin sensitivity, because this is really up our alley and something really important, you know, because this, you know, standard American diet that's so pro-diabetic and pro-inflammatory, you know, the government food pyramid, at the end of the day, leaves a lot of people sort of pre-diabetic. And, you know, those people need to correct that, you know, help that insulin sensitivity, you know, CBD, if it is in fact something that could help that, that would be amazing in the fight against type two diabetes and getting people, helping people who are now adjusting their diet, then maybe CBD could give them that, you know, extra boost to get back into the insulin sensitivity that's required. And I think that that will be a a way to get people's attention for CBD and phytocannabinoids in general, because that's the area that everybody's really sensitive to, to use the term insulin sensitivity. Did you know, Al, that the first uh, drug that was targeting the endocannabinoid system called Romanobant, named Accomplia was the trade name, was a CB1 cannabinoid receptor reverse agonist. And this drug was the silver bullet for gut. You took this stuff, it was the anti-obesity drug of all time, except it had a a little side effect. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I'm not. It's interesting. Yeah, the side effect was people started getting depressed and they all killed themselves. So okay. So 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 here's my new body, and now I'm just gonna (laughs) now I'm just gonna F off. (laughs) So that's exactly what happened. It was called Romano Bant, Accomplia. And that's when we first started to look at the role of the endocannabinoid system in metabolic health. Now CBD maybe what we call an allosteric modulator of the CB1 receptor, meaning it does not have direct affinity for CB1, but it modulates the receptor itself. And that may explain why everyone here in my office and people that I know that are eating CBD and hemp extracts are wearing their skinny jeans as a byproduct of more restorative sleep, more beige, more brown adipose tissue, more thermogenesis, more efficient caloric utilization, more PPAR gamma activity, and not as some kind of a fad, but a byproduct of wellness. That is huge. That's the area that no one wants to really talk about with dietary supplements, if you're legitimate. 
because it always sounds like the late night infomercial. Right. Like the latest fat burner. Right. And which is just disgusting. But this stuff may be helping in a more nuanced way, again, as an allosteric modulator of the CB1 receptor proposed mechanism of action and its potential role on the PPAR gamma, which is the target, by the way, for the blood sugar handling drugs, mm-hmm. the TZDs. Now, if you mix that with omega-3, we know DHA has some affinity for PPAR as well. So I think the combination of nix the six and eat the three, get more CBD, attention cannabis users, especially if you're using medical cannabis, because you're overactivating the CB1 receptor. THC is a lock and key, right? It's the key that fits into the CB1 receptor. THC fits right in there and then, boo, euphoria. If you're so eating- you're saying that it blocks the action that CBD is beneficial and therefore, are, are you saying that there might be a connection between, you know, chilling out on the THC for the purposes of, of activating the other so that you are in a better metabolic state, that maybe that might be a better fat burning uh, sort of experiment? Yeah, I'm saying that if you're eating a lot of omega-6s, which most people are, and using a lot of THC, think about people smoking pot and eating junk food, right? Yeah, right. They, that goes hand in hand. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you're totally out of balance. And what you need to do is pull- So wait, what if those people are like, well, I'll just uh, smoke pot and uh, eat a bunch of kale? There's my answer. Well, I, what would I, you say to that? Would you say, no, there's still the component in the too much THC? No, I would say if you're eating a lot of THC, you better have more CBD, period. And Got if it. you're eating a lot of omega-6, you better have more omega-3 and less omega-6, period. Right. Okay. I got it. That's interesting. I did not know about uh, – that's, uh, that's really fascinating. <laughs> now, think about this. The endocannabinoids that your body makes, the one that everyone likes to talk about, anandamide, because it means bliss in Sanskrit, the endocannabinoids are made – from phospholipids and arachidonic acid. So they are byproducts of the dietary fat intake because what's the fat in your body? You're the byproduct of not what you ate. You're the byproduct of what you ate that you didn't burn as energy. You are your leftovers. You are your mama's leftovers. Right. So if you add a bunch of THC to that and a bunch of junk food to that, you are so far out of balance, you need some CBD to give some more love potentially to the CB2 receptor, to modulate the CB1 a little bit allosterically, reducing the burden of the linoleate and the omega-6 that also causes oxlams and oxidized cholesterol and makes that more atherogenic. Combining these two together, wild-caught fish, if you can afford it, and hemp extracts rich in CBD and low in THC, That sounds like a breakfast of champions. You eat a can of Vital Choice and eat some hemp paste for breakfast, and boom, you got a good day ahead of you. (laughs) I love it. Um, You've met so many people and talked to so many people who have obviously used CBD, uh, have experienced the benefits. What are some of, uh, you know, give us a snapshot of a few really amazing stories of some like before and afters of, of what people have come up to you. And I'm sure people come up to you all the time and tell you their great story about what CBD's done for their life. I'd love to hear a few of those and then maybe get into your story. Sure, of course. Uh, I, I want to start as a science nut with a clinical trial we've got going on, an open label pilot trial. Open label pilot trial is at the base of the pyramid of evidence. However, it is where we begin 
just like we began the conversation of, oh, these people are eating a lot of fish in Okinawa, or these Inuit are eating a lot of whales, and they're having lower levels of thrombotic events. So it starts with that, at the epidemiological observation. Then you do the open-label pilot trials where nothing is blinded. So I've got one that we're involved in right now, and I want to read this note from the doctor. He says, uh, I wanted to let you know that we're doing well out here with our one-cap 25-milligram CBD program. We have 50 people enrolled. I think it's 75 now. It's going quite well. We're seeing some very nice results, consistently positive, and sometimes very significant benefits. Some of my best results come with social anxiety. Hmm. So at 25 milligrams of CBD, we're getting some great results with social anxiety. I just returned from the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. I had a big cannabis panel there with uh, Paul Anderson, Dr. Anderson, and Dr. Tim Zigafis. We had standing room only. And I had a lot of the naturopaths telling me that they're using about 10 milligrams of CBD per day for irritable bowel, which so many people are afflicted with. So those are a couple of the stories of sort of where the, the research, where the rubber meets the road. But then you get all these one-off anecdotal stories of patients that couldn't stop having seizures. They started using some of these crude artisanal hemp extracts, and they were finding tremendous relief. I think in that area, I really strongly believe desperately believe that you definitely have to be under the care of a medical doctor. I know so many of us want to practice medicine on ourselves, but let's remember that dietary supplements really are designed to keep healthy people healthy. So although there are remarkable stories about cannabinoids and a myriad of challenging diseases, the area that I've seen the most help and the most hope are people that just couldn't turn their brain off. Right, the sleeping. I mean, I have a, a great friend who just it, it helps tremendously with that. And the, 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 in the brain, and I had it so bad. I mean, you might not be able to tell, but I'm, I'm at like one fifth of my level of mania. <laughs> I wouldn't call it mania as much as I call it passion and uh, awesome enthusiasm and energy. Uh, mania is such a negative connotation, but I hear what you're saying. If you are thinking faster than you can talk and go, there might be an element there to, you know, CBD being helpful. And that's why taking this journey, this, this next evolution of in my life, when my wife and I were watching the CNN documentary about the little girl that couldn't stop having seizures and were weeping and crying. And if you haven't seen that, it's called weed. I wish it was a different name for it. Weed 1, Weed 2, Weed 3. There's now three of them. Sanjay Gupta. He's yeah, they're great. I watched them. They're, they're amazing. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. We were considering moving out here, and I, I showed that documentary to my wife, and we're crying like babies. And I looked at her, and I said, what do you think? And she said, run. Run as fast as you can. Let's pack these boxes as fast as we can. Let's pack up the truck. Let's move from Chicago. Let's go to a new town. You know, I'm 46 years old. I have a 12-year-old son. I've been married for 17 years. I, I had a big life in Chicago. Just move because it affected my soul on such a deep level. It changed the way I was operating, the way that I viewed the world. And I have to say, it, it helped me feel more creative and it lowered some of that fear of the unknown. It made me more open 
to possibilities that I was not considering because of seeing things in a bit more limited, sort of that lack of abundance mindset. It kind of gave me back some of that. You know what it's like when we were teenagers and there's just the sky's the limit. And there's nowhere to go but up and everything is a cool, exciting, unknown. We lose that as we get older. Some of that, I believe, is a drop in thyroid activity, something that I know you know really well. Oh, well, it absolutely is because even suboptimal thyroid issues, even if you're not like severe, are still you, you, you have a sense of general malaise and you lose enthusiasm to really get up and do anything in the morning. It's a nightmare. And so as, you, as I've told you in the past, you know, I take two grains of uh, – I've taken the Westroid uh, product um, for many, many, many years. I'm a meditation practitioner and I've done all kinds of retreats. I'm a big uh, Victories of the Heart guy and Robert, uh, Robert Bly, uh, the Iron John, um, his work, uh, Sam Keen, Fire in the Belly. I've done all kinds of interesting spirit chasing spiritual foxes all over the world like many of us have. But there was something about the CBD that allowed me to think more poetically, more abstractly. I don't use cannabis. I don't drink. I've been sober for 20 years. I just, it's not my thing. And I needed some way to help get more grounded. I didn't know what that was. So the CBD for me personally allowed me to be more grounded, more present. And it was the idea of more effective editing. This has been postulated by the great cannabinoid scientists. If you remembered every face that you saw every day, what would happen to you? I'd probably, my brain would probably explode. <laughs> so when, when, when I plug my phone in every night because I'm not so tech savvy and it says you've exceeded all the storage, it gives, you two, it gives me two options. I, I keep this on here as a reminder for me. It says I can get more memory or I can delete things. So I'm suggesting potentially we want to remember everything we possibly can in the first part of our lives. But what about paradoxically the adaptive benefit of forgetting? These are things that Mishulam, Dr. Mishulam and Manuel Guzman and Vincenzo DiMarzo and the other Ethan Rousseau, Dr. Rousseau, the experts in the field are talking about the adaptive benefit of forgetting. And that's why it helps with post-traumatic stress disorder. Here's what happened to me. I started to forget. And we're not talking, I want to interject, and you know we're not talking about like a sense of like full amnesia as much as it's not your mind's not then focusing on that anymore, right? Right, like, like lack of resentment, letting go. Right, which is a lot of people keeping people up at night. I mean, it's, it was Bruce Lipton that reminded me that. He said, Stuart, we were on the phone together. He said, Stuart, 5% of your health outcomes are controlled by your conscious activity, 5%. Now, again, this is debatable. This is Lipton's opinion, right? He says, negative self-defeating feedback loops. If you don't unblock that negative self-defeating feedback loop, um, you can do all the yoga you want. You can be a Qigong master. So I, I gleaned from that until I let go. And I'm the kind of guy that I remembered every hatchet and where I buried it. Mm -hmm. I remember every hatchet and where, that's not letting it go. Right. And so it dawned on me, you know what? I can eat all the wild-caught salmon I want and drink all the kombucha I want, and drink all the wheatgrass I want, but if I don't forgive my father, I'm still going to be miserable. Absolutely. Forgiveness is a huge, huge, huge thing. And just any keeping any kind of resentment. I mean, I, Bruce Lipton, on top of a lot of other people, it's not just him and the power of belief and intention and how oh, it affects the body. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And so you're saying for you personally, 
the CBD sort of helped you get to that next level and achieve the, the forgiveness letting go part of these buried hatchets? After years of therapy and everything you could possibly imagine, everything I could do to become a more grounded human being, knowing that it's our actions that we have some influence over because dysregulation and endocannabinoid tone may be connected to all kinds of our personal neuroses. I mean, Meshulam believes that variations in endocannabinoids and endocannabinoid tone is what explains why there are 8 billion of us and we all have different personalities. So this helped take me back to the shaman. This stuff took me back to some of my roots. I became more interested in carefully cutting the carrot. I became more interested in playing with my son and being more present for my family because it was helping me calm down, relax, sleep better, and forget and let go. And if at the same time it's a neuroprotectant, if at the same time it's the most powerful anti-inflammatory we have yet found, potentially, and an analgesic, and an anti-diabetic, an anti-proliferative, an anti-spasmodic and vasorelaxant, anti-psychotic and anxiolytic, I would encourage anyone on this journey certainly anybody that tunes into your podcast, to explore CBD, go to pubmed.gov. But remember, this is the most experiential ingredient you have yet found, and you've got to experience it yourself to know what it'll do for you. And let's talk about the company you work for, Canna Vest, V-E-S-T. They are a bulk provider, or is that something like, can I go onto the website and buy some CBD myself? Or tell us a little bit about the work you guys are doing over there. Well, we were founded in 2012, and we were one of the first CBD hemp producers in the world. And we, we produce and develop and market and sell raw oil, as you mentioned, but also our finished branded products, our plus CBD oil line, which I'm thrilled to have had the opportunity to be here for the developmental phase and the rebranding and the launching and I get to help develop new products here. I'm like a kid in a candy shop. It's pretty amazing. So you can go to cannavest.com and, and try out some of the products or go to a local health food store. You can find them. We're in about almost 200 health food stores. About so you can just get um, the non-THC CBD at just like a health food store or Whole Foods or something? Well, Whole Foods probably won't carry it until there's a huge federal change you won't get it in the big chains, but there are independent health food stores. We're in about 100, 195 health food stores, just about 200, and then we're in about 100 doctor's offices. So yeah, we were, this was one of the first companies to figure out that hemp, which is exempt from the Controlled Substance Act definition of marijuana, can be grown in Europe and lawfully imported and we've been shipping it across state lines since 2012. So talking about not having nostalgia – this is way on the bleeding edge. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the, well, just in general, being in California, and it is such a strange experience to see, like, just the thousands and thousands of dispensaries and the level of open use and just freedom with that that had never been where, you know, just it's weird to have something that was once illegal be legal. It's a weird experience, you know? And if we can give you that benefit, that's, if we can give you that material, and this is where it becomes disruptive, we're growing so much hemp that our price for CBD 
you couldn't get it as inexpensive as we can make it by growing indoor-grown medical cannabis. Our products are a fraction, a third of the price of medical cannabis because we're growing the plant for the CBD and the other phytocannabinoids, and it has almost no THC in it. So I believe that we'll have our CBD products should all be coming from hemp, and the THC, which we will find will have an important medical vital role, that will come from indoor-grown cannabis. So like everything else, there's no antagonism, there's complete abundance, and both of these worlds will coexist beautifully together. That is so amazing. You, you're amazing. I love, I love everything that you've done over the years and introduced me to so many different arenas of health. What, uh, what's next or what else would you like to share with our audience or leave them with? Any kind of tips or any last words about CBD or anything you'd like to impart? Words of wisdom? You know, I I really do. I I would say let's always remember that we don't know everything yet. That's really sort of been my mantra over the last few months. And just to make sure to stay open-minded, this is finally the day and age where we can fact-check, triangulate, and triple-check everything. This is the do-it-yourself, open access, complete change of holding things and people back. So stay open, but stay educated. Be willing to let go of old ideas. Stop looking backwards. Give up the interest in nostalgia. Let's live in the future. Let's live in the present. And I'm so grateful I had a chance to share my thoughts with you today, Elle. Thank you. Oh, we're so grateful. Thank you so much. And everybody, that was Stuart Tomk from Canavest.com. You can check out the company and uh, look more into CBD. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Got a passion for Primal? Join Mark Sisson on a mission to save the world. Become a Primal Blueprint certified expert today. With our dollar down payment program, it's easier than ever. Just pay $1 to start and $89 a month for the next 12 months. The Primal Blueprint Expert Certification is the most comprehensive online Primal Paleo certification program of its kind. Explore the fascinating world of ancestral health from the comfort of your own home with this premier multimedia experience. Perfect for health and fitness professionals, as well as individuals looking to up-level their primal practice. Visit primalblueprint.com slash get hyphen certified to put a dollar down today. 